Support for this podcast and the following message come from the folks at Ultimate Bundles. We provide collections of resources at deep discounts during flash sales throughout the year. Discover valuable ebooks, courses, printables, and videos on topics such as homeschooling, productivity, homemaking, health and wellness, building your home business, natural remedies, essential oils, the list goes on and on. Stay informed with the current and upcoming sales at BreakthroughHomeschooling.com follow. Welcome back to the You Can Homeschool podcast, where Pat Fenner and Tracy Hegerman candidly discuss all things homeschooling, the good, the bad, and the brilliant. Go ahead and grab your favorite drink, find a cozy spot, and join this week's lively discussion. I'm Tracy Hagerman, the Happy Homeschooler, and I'm here once again with Pat Fenner from Breakthrough Homeschooling. So our topic today is one of my favorite, but I have to admit, I think statistics show it's a lot of people's least favorite topic. But stay stay tuned, stay tuned. You, I, I, I really think this is an important topic, and it all has to do with why you would teach public speaking to your child. And I've heard I, I've talked to other um, homeschooling moms and that, and I'm like, you need to teach public speaking, even if it's your greatest fear. <laughs> right. And so I want to. We want to cover that today about why. What What's the value of teaching public speaking, and some of the simple ways that you can incorporate it into your homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So one of the way, one of the things when you think about the value of public speaking. So um, let me ask you, Pat. You've ever been to a conference and you had this burning question, but it's, you know, there's a lot of people and you don't know the people around you or that. Um, but have you ever just been sitting there with a burning question, but didn't ask because you just didn't want to speak out in public? Yes. And this is from somebody who's not usually, you know, considered an extrovert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, even us extroverts sometimes we we fall into we fall into that we don't you know we don't ask questions or if you think of the typical classroom and the teachers asking questions and then what does the teacher usually battle it's the same handful of kids who are comfortable speaking in class that put up their hand so the teachers trying to engage others never really knowing if they're you know if the information is going in or not mm-hmm. because they're not responding right. and so i want to so i had a friend and she detested public speaking so much so that when she got to university, she would sign up for classes. And if she found out she had to do a presentation from the front of the class, she would drop the class. Oh, my gosh. And yes. Now, today, she actually will get up and speak, which is wonderful. But it was a long process until oh. she felt comfortable. And I remember her saying, like, she really was interested in a course, but as soon as she saw, like, you know, there was a final presentation, she was out. And I thought that was so sad. Yeah. So, again, your your child may not become this great, you know, 
public speaker or, you know, they may not be the, you know, the journalist interviewing someone else, but they all need this skill. Absolutely. You know, um, one of the things we talk about with our son is like he was always inventing and creating things, which is awesome. But explain to him that if you are not able to convince someone else of your idea or influence someone else um, once you get to your job of like why you should do, you know, a project one way over another, right. you're going to be frustrated. Yep. Um, so it was very important to me to teach my children public speaking. So it doesn't matter what job you're in. It's really important that we help our children develop that confidence to speak up, whether it's to one person, whether it's to, you know, a small team that they're working with, five people, or whether it's giving a presentation to 200 people in an auditorium on, you know, s- some project that you've, you've worked on. Right. The, these things pop up in the jobs and it is so much better to be comfortable and make those mistakes as you're growing up <laughs> than the first time your boss says, oh, I'm going out of town. Could you train the new trainees coming in? Ah, <laughs> you know, so I, I am big on this because I, I see it as such a valuable skill mm-hmm. and a skill that I find is really lacking oftentimes when um, kids get into the, the workforce. And um, another reason you should teach public speaking is um, studies show that people who are able to get up in front of a crowd are usually perceived as being more confident than those that don't. And this is something that they found that often people who are able to do that often will get promoted faster, Mm. regardless whether they're um, the the better person for the job. So that's another thing to co- to consider, in, you know, once once our kids are working. Mm-hmm. So, um, and a third thing is, um, I think of like what are the, what are the other reasons that you would want to um, be good at public speaking? Is another one is a lot of times in life um, we inspire others. Mm-hmm. Okay, it might just be you know we're getting up and we're teaching children's liturgy at our church. Um, you, you know, it's in, we inspire others sometimes by, by stories and talking and discussing and things we're passionate about. But if we can't share those things, we lose that chance of, mm. of doing that. So those are just like a few of the, the things. So did you do any public speaking at all, Pat, as you were growing up? And I ask this because here you are doing a podcast and you, you know, you, counsel, uh, you know, homeschooling families and stuff. And yet you, you've always said to me, like, I'm, I'm really an introvert and I'm always so amazed at, at this because I'm an extrovert. It's easy for me to talk, but <laughs> tell me a little bit about that and your experience with public speaking. Yeah. I, um, you know, I just, I guess I learned over the years to just, uh, battle the butterflies is what I say, because, uh, you know, I always, now, you know, with the podcast and everything like now, this has become, you know, just a real comfortable place for me. But, uh, you know, even the beginning of doing this, you know, when I'm ready to hit record, you know, I could feel the butterflies in my stomach and I've just kind of learned to, to move past that. But, uh, but one of the things, and I did, uh, what I don't, one of our older children, I guess must've been our daughter did a, uh, public speaking course, you know, a, in, in the co-op that we were in homeschool co-op we were in and one of the things that impressed me about it was it wasn't just practicing getting in front of people 
but it was also taught uh, communication, uh, communication skills in terms of organizing your information. So you don't just get up there and go by the seat of your pants, although extemporaneous speaking is also a part of it. But generally, the process of learning how to do public speaking is learning how to decide on your topic or, you know, whatever you're going to be talking about, and then getting your material and putting it in a way that makes sense and then presenting it. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about that before. You know, I always thought public speaking was just about the general activity of getting in front of people. And while, of course, that is the byproduct that you get more comfortable with it, there's a lot involved in public speaking. There's a lot of research. And the other thing that that I thought about uh, my father-in-law, who lived with us for a while, was a member when he was younger in his business years, was a member of a club called uh, Toastmasters. And they, I see you shaking your head. Yeah. (laughs) And they learned and I mean, I don't know exactly what went on our meetings and stuff like that, but I know he was always, he always had notebooks, you know, that with, because that was, he didn't have, they didn't do computers then. And he'd always have notebooks with quotes in them and with like little, uh, like keywords, I guess, that what I interpreted when I looked at them were stories, you know, that he would share that the keywords reminded him of. And like just little vignettes of things that he could incorporate into his speeches as, you know, as needed. Um, so it really, you know, there's really a lot involved in it and it's more than just, than just (laughs) air quotes, uh, getting up in front of people. Yeah. And, and I think about it, like, I actually think this skill is even more important for our introverted children than our extroverted children, because my very extroverted youngest daughter, if she has an interview she can't wait. She's like, I'm going to get that because she's really good at talking with people and she enjoys the process. My son, who's extremely introverted when we talk about interviews, is like, oh, he's dreading this. But you want them to be prepared because they might enter an interview and there might be a panel of people interviewing them. So you don't want that to be the first time Absolutely. that they have to speak up. Or, and you know, I, I've done interviews um, when we were in ministry and we'd hire youth every year and some of them would come into the interview, you know, looking at their feet. They have a wonderful resume, but looking at their feet and, you know, no. not looking in their eye and speaking so low that I'm, I'm like leaned in going, could you just speak a little louder? So again, it doesn't portray confidence. And there's, there's, Nothing wrong with nervousness, but again, you know, I'm looking for camp counselors who are going to get up in front of kids. Yeah. And so I'm kind of that first impression, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I don't think this is going to work, even though the resume, yeah. you know, yeah. looks good. So, I, like I said, I think it's almost more important for the introverted child to learn this. So we've talked about some of the, you know, the ways to do it and the value, sorry, we've talked about some of the values of doing it, but how do you do this? How do you get your child, you know, at least to a level that they can do it? They may not ever be totally comfortable, um, but to a level that they can do it. And I think it starts out really simply. And um, again, I was really intentional on this because it's something um, like I had to take a public speaking course when I did my master's of business and it was, we were videoed and the whole class would critique us. And like we did this over eight weeks, this course, it was a sort of a short, and it was a three hour session, I think for eight weeks. And, um, 
but I saw people change dramatically in that eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I didn't want my children to have to wait till they're in university or out of job or whatever. So how do we do this? What, what is the simple thing? So if you belong to a co-op, one of the things I would do, um, a co-op where, you know, there's different teachers teaching different things. I always, it didn't matter what class I was teaching. There were, there was always a way that I had the kids stand up in front of the class Mm -hmm. and I kind of seamlessly, you know, um, snuck it in, let's say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So let me give you a couple examples. Um, one of the things I would do is I would, I I remember the kids were about like six year olds. And, um, so I can't remember, I can't remember what the class was, but I told them that each week, um, three people could come in with, um, either an article or a photograph of something that they had was really interesting to them. So Mm -hmm. like a common show and tell. So I didn't make it as, you know, you got to you know, do this big speech. I'm like, you'll have the opportunity to tell everyone else or to show everyone else something that's of interest to you. So you take my son and he, he liked to play with these building blocks, um, called connects. And he was always building all kinds of things. So we had a lot of photographs of stuff cause they would be too big to bring in. So he just brought a photograph in. And then I said, Kent, I think you had, you know, something you wanted to show. And so he took out the picture and he just kind of held it. And I said, why don't you come up just come over here so people can see it better. So he stood up and he came over and he seriously had the photograph in front of his face. Okay. (laughs) And then I said, can you tell us what it is? And he kind of went like, um, it's a Ferris wheel or truck or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly what it was. And he kind of, you know, put his face back and then I'm like, is there anything else you can tell us about it? I built it with my dad or something like this. And then I said, Oh, does anyone have any questions about it? So again, people would ask. So slowly what I noticed as people ask questions and were kind of in awe that he had built this thing, um, you know, he slowly just started responding to those people. Mm-hmm. And so he went from sitting down to standing up with the picture. And he, as he was doing it, he wasn't really nervous because it was very seamless the way right. I had done it. Very, um, uh, how should I say, like un un intrusive. I don't know if that's the right word, but subtle, so, very subtle. Yeah. Just so, so, you know, that's what he did. And over time, so it, like, you know, we belonged to this co-op for eight years, but didn't matter what oh, I was wow. teaching. I always had a couple minutes at the front where they could come and tell us about something or that. So again, and, and, you know, they got to know their friends and that. So, so it was just something they got used to, mm-hmm. but what if you're not in a co-op? So at home, what will we do? Our kids would write, you know, whatever essays or that. And one of the things my kids would say is, okay, I'm writing this essay, but who's ever going to see it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you're going to read it to your siblings when you're done. So it was as simple as we'd sit on the couch and whosever turn it was to read the essay, I made them stand up. Mm-hmm. And we had this little play microphone. <laughs> we called it the dollar. <laughs> and I would give them the microphone and say, wait a second. Everyone has to, you know, be quiet and listen because this person now has the floor. And so, you know, it's with their siblings, so they didn't care, right? So they would get up and they would, and I'd always, always, always make them stand up and a little more formal. Right. And then you can vary that as well. You can have them read out loud, but you can get them to stand up. You can have them, uh, another simple exercise we did in a group when I was actually teaching public speaking was 
basically they had to say the alphabet. So they just had to get up and say the alphabet. And and these were kids that were like 12 and 13. And they're looking at me. I have to say the alphabet. And I said, oh, and when you get up there, the, the first one who does the alphabet, you have to say it as if you're an old grumpy man. Ah, uh, yes. That's so again, they were just playing and laughing. And then it was like, uh, you know, you're, you're a music teacher and you like to do things musically. And so I'd have the next person go up. So it was always through games, but it was just, again, over time, over many years of just playing these little games, getting them to stand up, getting them to do it, it becomes the norm. And as our children went from our home to the co-op, to volunteering at church, to volunteering at a camp, mm-hmm. um, over time, even though it wasn't my son's favorite thing to do, he could do it. He could get right. up in front of a crowd and do it. And, and I think the- that's that's important. So if I just to yeah, absolutely. For a second, I think that's what's important is for us as parents to remember it doesn't ever have to be their favorite thing. You're not looking. You mentioned this, I think, earlier. You're, you're not necessarily training them or teaching them to be a great orator someday, uh, although they might discover this. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not the end goal. Um, you know, they don't have to love it. What you're really trying to do is just get them over the hump because so many of us have that that fear, introverts and extroverts, you know, for yeah. whatever reason too, there's a whole bunch of reasons. We get, you know, kind of get stuck with this, with having to communicate with other people. And, oh my gosh, you know, it's so important. I mean, you know, Tracy, you pointed out too that even just raising your hand in class, like like public speaking can help overcome that you know you're you're not in the front there but you are communicating and asking questions and seeking more information and that's important to be able to do you know to feel comfortable to be able to do um so it just really the ability to be comfortable communicating in different situations well yeah that's that's really applicable to anything and that's what that's what the end result is of all of these activities and uh, you know these uh, opportunities to learn public speaking. And and I think that's the, like you said, not become great orators, but I can't think of a single college course or university course where you don't at some point have to get up in front of a class as part of a group maybe and do a presentation yeah. on something. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're that engineer working in the corner fourth year there was this big capstone project and you had to present that Mm -hmm. so it's it's you you have to do it so let's get our kids comfortable doing it and you know even to the point of maybe your child is really good with kids and they like babysitting Mm -hmm. um I know that there were certain situations that you know my girls would babysit quite a bit especially my youngest and there were certain situations of things that happened with the kids that she needed to tell the parents about, you know, that mm-hmm. weren't working. And, you know, she was a little shy. And I'm like, no, you need to speak up because this is a safety issue with their child and the parent needs to know. So you need to speak up. Mm-hmm. And that's your job babysitting. That's not up to me to do. That's, you need to do that. But it's just getting them comfortable in all those situations, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's a needed skill, whether they like it or not. So rather than thinking of it as something fearful, if we incorporate that early on and just keep it going Mm -hmm. and allowing them those opportunities when they get into that job or whatever, where they 
you know, it's crucial that they do it, they'll be okay. Yeah. And I have to say with my son, he had to do, he got asked to do a presentation at a conference of something that he had developed Mm -hmm. and he was actually excited about doing it. And they, it was taped and we got to watch it on YouTube after. Oh, Um, wow. But, um, and he said like his, his neat, like his legs were shaking, but (laughs) we couldn't tell. And people at the end of it were asking questions and engaged. And he felt really good about it because it was something he himself had developed that had been accepted um, because you had to apply at the conference to speak. And his boss had said, you really need to, you know, apply to speak. And my son was like, no, no. And he's like, no, you really should do this. And then my son was so, like, he was so elated that he was able to do that and that people were reaching out. And people had reached out to him after the fact from different companies to ask him more questions about something he had built. That is awesome. That's awesome. But it's not something that he looks to do. Right. He can now get up in front of a team and, you know, say, no, I don't think we should do this this way. Because Mm -hmm. from a programming point of view, this is just going to cause problems later on. He's able to stand up and do that. And he is Mm -hmm. extremely introverted. But I really do believe it was because over the years, Mm -hmm. it was just a natural thing. Okay, get up. Get up in front of your grandparents and... (laughs) you know, read your poem. Right. Yeah. The simple things build, build up over time. One of the things we did when, uh, when our daughter, our youngest daughter got old enough to, to start uh, looking for a job is we, I looked at interviews as part of this public speaking training. And uh, she, I'll never forget. She was 15. We started doing this and she went on an interview. And of course this was just, we had seen for, um, it was for Chick-fil-A and we saw that they were just doing open interviews. They're like, hey, this is great. You know, it was right by our house. It's like, let's let's do this. Let's just for a practice interview. And of course, she's, you know, like rolling her eyes. Like, I don't want to do this. But I was like, no, it'll be, it'll be fun. So she went, she did a great job. They allowed the parents to stay, for the minors, to the parents to stay in the room, like, you know, over on the other side. So I kind of like, you know, listened, tried to listen a little bit. She handled herself very well, but she ended up getting offered the job at 15 and she was still a little young, but she carried herself well. And that was really, that was encouraging to me that, you know, the work that we had put in to prepare her just to, just to communicate. And this was a a one-on-one situation, but it was, it was with the owner and it was, it could have been really intimidating, you know, and uh, it was a situation that really she, she excelled at. So you just never know how, what situations your, your teen may find themselves in and how they can incorporate these skills that they'll need, you know, that will benefit them. Absolutely. And another thing that we did is we would often, we had a curriculum and at the end of, you know, learning about a particular period of time, like ancient Egypt or whatever, we usually had the kids write a play and they would, oh. of their own doing, and they do it together and they would come up with costumes and stuff, but then they had to put on their play. And sometimes we just had our friends, their other homeschooling friends come over. Sometimes it was their grandparents. Sometimes it was at a family function. Um, or and, and other times we also um, went in a senior's residence mm-hmm. and each child could get up and do something. And usually my son would do like a, a, an illusion trick or that. He didn't have to say much, but he could... Right. He could show stuff, but he still, you know, from a young age could knew that, oh, okay, it's his turn. He went up, he did whatever his trick Mm -hmm. was, and then he sat down. So it became something that was normal and natural, not a, oh, I got to get up in in front of people. So there's so many ways to incorporate it, but I encourage parents, like incorporate it, even if it's you and your 
husband and your child. Get them to stand up. Mm-hmm. There's just something about standing up and reading their story or whatever right. that just makes it different. And, you know, uh, you mentioned that volunteering, that you were doing volunteering. That is also an excellent way to help your teenager become comfortable with other their environments, things like that, because you're, they're not only standing up, you know, often when you're volunteering, you're, you're busy, right? You're active, you're doing things yeah. and you're interacting with people from different, maybe socioeconomic backgrounds, um, definitely different, you know, careers, different situations that are not your norm kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more inf- interaction you get with people of different ages or, you know, all, all those different, just di- who are different from you, uh, the more comfortable you get. And and it really does help you, especially in those the one-on-one situations. But it just does give you more confidence, which then translates to being able to do like the presentation scenario you were talking about, Tracy. You know, like you know you've you've already got, hey, I know how to talk, talk to these people. You know, I've I've talked to Mr. Jones like, you know, for months now and we can, I could do this. So it really does kind of, you know, they can extrapolate to different situations. Yeah. Yeah. Another idea is, um, I was teaching outdoor, uh, gym and, Mm -hmm. and with the teens, I found it, they were way more interested in certain games that they like to play. Like, you know, I don't know, what do they call it? Capture the flag or whatever. (laughs) So what I would do is I kind of have a rough outline, but every week I would say, okay, we're going to do two games this week. And, um, so, and I tell them in advance next week, you two people, you get to choose what the games are. And so when those two people came the next week, I would say, okay, what's the name of your game? And I'm like, okay, can you explain the rules to everyone else? Can you just come and stand here and just explain the rules? So again, even the shy ones, because, oh, I get to choose the game this week. I'm going to explain to them what to do. So it was an easy way, but it was, Mm -hmm. it was always intentional on my part of getting them to, to voice. And, and another thing I also did is our kids would always have like parties and they can invite you know, 10 friends over or whatever. And I had them decide the agenda for the party mm-hmm. and they, they would pretty much run the party. Mm-hmm. So even if they were 10, they were like, okay guys, it's, uh, you know, now we're going to be playing. And we always played tr- traditional, you know, party games like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we'd always sort of up the rules <laughs> to make them a little, so if it was hot potato, we might have, uh, you know, them wearing, I don't know, oven mitts or or maybe they had to do it backwards or something but I was I would get my kids to explain the games and run the party and they say okay everybody it's time now for snack because it was their party they were in charge but again it was a way of putting them at the forefront of leading the group and and being comfortable with the group so I just naturally incorporate and again I was very intentional because I realized how many people have fear of public speaking right and I just found it to be such an asset to be able to speak to people in so many, you know, different um, ways. So those are just a few ideas that you can use in your own home. And let me double, uh, let me just, uh, the explaining rules is, is really a great thing because first of all, it's usually in a more relaxed atmosphere, right? You're at a party or something like that. Um, But it requires an, you have to present the information in an orderly fashion and they're learning how to do that on the fly. It's something they're familiar with, but you can't say, you know, rules to a game go in a certain specific order and you have to be able to communicate that well so you know that's that's an that's an example of being able to communicate on the fly but it's with something that they're familiar with so um 
you know, that's the, I, I love that we had, I have a son that there was a party game that he just absolutely loved, but it was pretty complicated. And he always, when we'd have people over, he's like, oh, let's play family. I want to, you know, and, and nine times out of 10, the people who'd been, were over with us hadn't done it before. And so it's like, well, you have to explain, you have to tell people how to play this game. Cause it's not, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not easy. Um, but he loved doing that. And um, that got him very, helped him get very confident. And just the one thing I wanted to add, when I was teaching courses to our homeschooling co-op with the teens on public speaking, one of the things I stressed at the beginning was, okay, if you come into this class and you're thinking, I'm already great at public speaking, Mm -hmm. fantastic. I expect you to go from great to incredible. If you come into this class and you are sweating and you're thinking, I don't want to be in this class, I don't even want to get into the front by the end of the eight weeks, I, I will help you get to a point where you can get up in, in front of the class and it, it might not be so bad and you might even enjoy it. And so I presented it that way. And I always, always say to the kids that, you know, we all have different skills and abilities. And for some, this is easy. And for some, this is difficult, but this is, we're going to have a fun time together. And we're all going to encourage each of us that we will improve by the end of eight weeks. And it was interesting because um, one of the moms came up to me, and this was um, uh, a co-op, but we had a, two families in it that the kids were, French was their first language. And so they were coming to the co-op to learn English. And so I had this boy, and he was quite shy, and there was quite a language barrier. Mm-hmm. And his mom came up to me and said, I don't know how he's going to do. And I said, I will do my very best to make him feel comfortable. At the end of eight weeks, she came to me and told me that it was his favorite class. Oh, that's and crazy. and again, he he went from you know being afraid to speak in English, and at the end, you know, laughing and joking with the kids in the front because we made it fun with the game. But but I guess the point I want to make is it doesn't matter where your child is starting if you can just explain to them here are some of the values, and right. don't worry. We're going to have fun with it, and we're going to work on it over time. But I, I can't say enough about, you know, the value of this skill. I think it's so undertaught, yeah. but so necessary and important for our child's self-esteem, confidence, um, you know, helping them with things they're passionate about and, mm-hmm. you know, just making them feel comfortable out there in yeah, life. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Well, I think that's a... Terrific point to, to wrap up on. It's a good thing, good concept to leave people with. Uh, don't be afraid of doing this. There's lots of tools uh, that can help you. And uh, we'll try to I'll put leave some in, in the show notes to help you out with that. Um, but embrace it and, and use it, you know, do teach it with the, with the approach of your learning as well. So, you know, the, sometimes when you model things, uh, it helps your kids. Certainly your teens are old enough to, to see a connection with that. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. It was great having this conversation and having you a part of it. And uh, we will see you next week. And in the meantime, enjoy your homeschooling. It can be awesome. Yes. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of the You Can Homeschool podcast. Thanks for joining us for another candid conversation. For more information on life-changing books, 
courses, and coaching services, or if you have a homeschooling topic you'd like to hear discussed in a show, check our show notes for how to reach out to Pat and Tracy. 